Hello everyone, welcome to the Raw and Sandy podcast. It's been a few weeks and we're happy to be back today. And today we have a special guest who is going to help us take a deep dive into generational trauma. You know, we're going to talk about what generational trauma is, um, how do we find to, uh, the courage to break that cycle, and finally, why therapy is so important, why we need to normalize therapy. So without further ado, I'll just pass this on to Ro to introduce us to our guest. Hi, Ro. Hi, Sandy. How are you? Good, good, good. It's been a minute. <laughs> I know. So I'm so excited about today's podcast uh, because it's uh, someone I have known for a long time. And she's like my sister and a friend, and she's awesome. Her name is Tabitha Mpamira, and uh, she is a therapist, activist, motivational speaker, and consultant on sexual and gender-based violence with a long working history in the mental health care industry. Uh, Tabitha in 2015 founded EJA, to provide free medical, legal, and mental health services to survivors of sexual assault in East Africa. EJA, now a program under Nyaka in Southwestern Uganda, has sparked rapid change in rural Uganda by supporting hundreds of survivors and bringing perpetrators to justice. Tabitha's work in this area has been widely recognized and vividly depicted in the documentary, Victors, Singing to the Lions which has been screened globally, including at the United Nations Association of New York. She was recognized by Global Citizen in 2018 when she won the People's Choice Wastelets Award. Tabitha has been invited to speak across the globe. Recent examples include her speech at the Vatican about the urgency of working to end sexual violence and her widely viewed TEDx talk on the transforming or, or transferring of trauma. Tabitha is currently pursuing a doctorate in clinical psychology with a specialization in sexual trauma after over 10 years of practice. So ladies and gentlemen, please let's welcome Tabitha. Tell us, how are you Tabitha? I am doing well. I'm so honored and excited to finally be here. I've been listening since y'all started. And so it's surreal and so nice to be on the other side and scary, but it's good to be with both of you. Thanks for having me. Welcome to our show. And so I wanted to ask you, because like I said, you're one of your famous TED talk show was on generational trauma passing on the baton. Can you tell us more about that and what made you speak on this and um, just how it can help us as a people and what does it mean passing on the baton, good or bad? And just tell us, speak to us. Ooh, so you know you're opening a can of worms when you just leave it open like that. <laughs> Feel free to stop me, redirect me, bring me back because, yes, I can go on on tangents for days, but ah, oh, generational trauma, where do we begin? So what inspired me? It wasn't something overnight. I think I can say that uh, it was baby steps toward something within me, a burning passion to do 
clinical psychology, thinking I'm doing it for everybody else because I'm okay and I, I got this. Everybody else needs my help, needs saving. And the deeper I got, the more it was clear that it was more about me before I do anything about somebody. Yeah. Yes. Don't we all, right? We think we're saving the world and it's yeah. like, ah, how about me? So that's how Egypt started. But I was doing psychology from I knew I was going to be a psychologist from high school, 10th grade. We had just moved to the US. If you remember Barry and Springs and Niles days, yes. you were literally the first <laughs> people we met when we moved here. And it was like, oh, there's yes. this with four girls and you're four girls. So you all have to be friends. You hooked us up with the brains, got us all up to par. But so that was as soon as I got here, I went my first psychology class when I learned about the idea of healing the mind. That's when mm. they had me there because coming from Rwanda, I knew nobody talked about anything real. After going through a genocide as a country, after all of the things that I was seeing around me, they did not reflect the conversations that were happening around me. Um, so mm. I knew that there was something that had to be done. I'd never heard about us. I'd never seen a psychologist before. I'd never heard of anything that called therapy before. But anyway, fast forward, um, when I went to undergrad, I volunteered in every lab that did trauma work, every research project that had sexual trauma, I was there, every, you name it. If it says trauma, I'm your girl. And then fast forward, I go to Rwanda and worked with women who had been assaulted during the genocide. And I knew I wanted to do more work after my master's. And then I um, go to Uganda in 2015 and run into these three girls who had been assaulted and talking mm -hmm. to them and trying to see what they, what I can do to help them. I realized part of that is what I can do to help the 11 year old me. And coming back mm -hmm. to process all of that and talking to different people, getting more bold and to speak up about my own experience. I start learning more and more about my mother's trauma that she had never mm -hmm. shared with us then more people start telling me about their own stuff. One woman came up, came to me after a speaking engagement and she says, this is the first time I'm saying this and I'm 50 years old and mm. something happened to her at a younger age. So it became clear that all of us are usually holding these things and just waiting for one person to say, me too. Literally that me too movement, it was the one thing we're all craving for in all the things nobody experiences something new you know the bible says it itself there's nothing new under the sun so what mm -hmm. i'm going through somebody before me went through and the one before them went through as i prepared for the ted talk that um really analogy came to me as i was listening to another woman share her story and if you've seen a relay in track somebody runs with a baton hands it to the next one and how they started the next one can make make it a little bit faster based on who set them up and the next one and so forth and so on until you win the race. But when it comes to trauma, they hand it to us. You don't have time to look at it like in a race. You just have to keep running. But in life, it doesn't work that easily. So it was clear that unless we take the time to see what it is we've been handed in order to run this race, we have to know what we're holding so we can identify mm -hmm. what needs to be dropped and what do we need to carry on to finish our race?
I told y'all I talk too much. <laughs> no, no, that's that's great. So what you're saying is that we need to know how to interrupt the cycle of silence and abuse and toxicity uh, that is passed down from generation to generation. So when you're handed that baton, you really need to look at it and say, okay, what is it that I'm accepting and running with? You need to figure, is this something that I need to interrupt, right? Exactly that, yes. Yeah. Some of those things are good. So some of mm -hmm. them you need to carry on, right? Mm -hmm. Resilience, you're given wisdom from their learned mistakes, but at the mm -hmm. same time, you're given other things that we have internalized as culture, as um, customs and family mm -hmm. traditions. Right, yeah. And you know what? It's for African women, we, three of us are African women, right? We know those things that are passed on down, you know, the stories or the expectations, the cultural expectations that are passed down to us. And some of them are really harmful, right? So some things are really ingrained in us. I think the fact that we're educated women or, you know, that we're just, we've managed somehow to, um, to adapt a different way of thinking. But I think, I still think that we have that baggage that we inherit. So how exactly do you interrupt this cycle? Because to me, it feels like you need to have a certain amount of courage. You need to be brave because it, you're going against something that is ingrained in you, something that you've been taught, something that you've observed for a long time. When, how and when do you find that courage to break that cycle of generational trauma? Mm. And tell us examples of generational trauma because you know it's such a general term, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and so this is, with every question, you will have to get me back to what you need because I go in one place, I'm like, oh yeah, and then this has to be spoken about, but- That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Coming to that exact point. Okay, so let's start by identifying what some of those are. And you all can jump into, because some of them start looking like um, that, you know, like we said, culture and traditions and customs, but the, why? were they created and who's are they, who do they serve, whom do they serve, right? Um, mm. So one way I had a woman explain this about, about customs, the word custom itself, right? If you want a custom made suit, they're going to measure you so it fits you. And so those customs mm -hmm. that we call our own, they were made to fit a certain person in power at the time they were made. In coming from a patriarchal world, those were custom made for men. Dowry, mm. you're putting a price on a person so you can own them and treat them however way you want, right? That's a lot of Africans. Um, a lot of some that are more harmful, like FGM, right? All those things, yeah. most of those are yeah. custom made to serve us, you know, don't ask, don't tell. Let's bring it to the West, like around. Um, how much women are getting paid. Right. You don't talk mm. about it, then that's, that helps the person who gets paid more, so they keep getting paid more and nobody starts mm -hmm. anything. So that's one thing to think about customs or traditions. Who are they, right? Who does yeah. it serve? Um, so some of those, those are the things that create the trauma. So because they're made for us to be quiet about, but we're the ones being oppressed. So there's obvious ones of trauma, like, physical abuse, sexual abuse, that hopefully nobody can still argue about that. Um, the tricky mm -hmm. one gets around emotional abuse where 
anything that makes the other person feel less than, where somebody takes control from you. Um, you see, we see it a lot in our households where somebody is like financial abuse. That's something that's not talked about. One person is in control of all the finances, even when both people work. So some of those things are then passed on in different ways. And so speaking of batons, some of our parents experienced those and they made sure we don't have to by giving us an education, by bringing us to the other side of the world. But we took on other parts of that, including you don't talk about family business out on the streets, right? So who does that serve? <laughs> if, you, if you keep it in the house, whoever yeah. is abusing is protected because you're not allowed to ever talk about it. Therefore, you can't get help. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm. so silence can be a form of uh, a tra- you know, manifested trauma. That, not, that itself is not traumatic, right? Um, different ways to manifest perfectionism. We grow up being compared to everybody else. Yes. <laughs> I came too close to home. <laughs> that comparison. Yes, you did. You did, girl. <laughs> I know all about perfection. <laughs> did you know so and so's daughter just gave a degree and bought their parents a whole house? And yeah. Oh, yeah. My favorite is so and so is married. And what are you waiting for? You uh, know? Like, and it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And what message is that? But saying? Exactly. Go ahead, Ro. I know. And, and you know what, Tabitha, it's funny you said this because I know that last time when I listened to your TED Talk, when it came out, when you had just done it, um, I thought about so many things, so many traumas that I have unknowingly even passed down to my kids. Yes. And yet I don't even like them. Um, <laughs> one of them, I... <laughs> You know, it's crazy. I don't know how that happens. Is it, I, I guess more therapy is needed because it's not, I even know that, no, I shouldn't be passing this down, right? Or um, even, <laughs> I'm going to say something here. Um, I'm going to get in trouble. But um, there's this whole thing. I remember my mom, right? She, you know, she's, you know how you're tired and you come home from work and we're all girls. And, you know, she's been working hard as well. And maybe that day we had homework and we are still, there's still dishes in the sink and stuff. And my mom would go, right, and do it, but she's quiet about it. And you can tell she's so upset, right? But she doesn't want to say anything. So, and like, <laughs> so like you're talking to her, you're like, mom, is everything okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you know everything is not okay, but why are you saying that? And I remember I used to be like, I'm never gonna do that. I'm never gonna do that to my kids. I'm never gonna do that to anyone. And guess who does that? Me, I do that. <laughs> and so, I guess in this case, Tabitha, no, in all seriousness though, so this is, is this part of a trauma thing or is it, because at the end of the day, I feel like it can be traumatic to kids or Mm -hmm. because I think they look at me and think, 
why is mommy acting like that? Why can't she just say she's not happy about mm -hmm. this not being done? Mm -hmm. You know, or even my husband just being able to say, because he will even tell me, he's like, why can't we just talk about it? Why can't you just say this is not okay or whatever? Why are you acting out your <laughs> whatever is wrong? So is that part of, could I say that's also part of passing down batons that I really shouldn't be passing down, right? Before I answer that, what do you think would happen if you spoke your mind? Or what are you afraid would happen if you just said, I'm tired and I need y'all to go wash some dishes or whatever you're feeling? What do you think? What is the I think, I, I think for me, I'll feel like, well, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're supposed to do that, right? Like I shouldn't feel like, or it's my responsibility, my duty, I should do it. Right? That's how I, exactly. So, so then if you don't do it, what does that mean about you? And you should do it, you're a mom. So a good mom does this. So if you don't do it, what, what would that mean about you? I'm not a good mom. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, like I'm not doing enough. You know what I mean? Like I, I would just feel like maybe I'm not doing enough mm. or mm. Um, I'm being lazy, mm. you know? So... I I don't know. I wonder, I wonder if that's one of the things that we learned unconsciously, right? Being brought up, like being a perfect wife, like we were trained, um, maybe not so much as being told you're being trained, but we were, we were observed, we were chided if we didn't do things properly, but we were, we were pretty much taught how to run a home, how to keep your husband and your children taken care of and happy so that when, you know, when things are not being done, you're feeling the guilt, like I'm not doing enough. I'm not being a good wife, I'm not being a good mother. So you just, and that's why you, and yet you're angry and yet those dishes are not being done. They need to be done and just yes, gonna get angry. You know? So yeah, I think that's one of those batons or behaviors that we pass down. I didn't think of because I think I do it to some extent as well, but I think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'm interested to hear what Tabitha will, <laughs> what she'll say about that. You know? So that's what I was getting at. Because what is at the core of this behavior? What is the mm -hmm. function of the behavior? That function of that behavior from what you're saying is to earn your worthiness. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so there is an innate feeling of not enoughness. And you feel like, tell me if I'm wrong. Then if I wash these dishes, I keep a clean house. Then, then as mad as I am, as tired as I am, I can go to sleep knowing I'm worthy of having this home i'm worthy of my children of being a mother i'm enough as a mother because i wash those dishes she said as no, it sounds true. that's true yes. and, that's, <laughs> and, and you know what tabitha like it's so funny you said that like today i actually today there was something that happened and i was thinking about it i was like why is that why is my reaction this way mm -hmm. and i remember thinking there was something that had happened uh, a few years back that when I was younger, it made me feel like I had to always explain myself. And then in always having to explain myself, I've noticed that now, even as I'm grown, I'm like, if someone either questions me or something, I'm like, or they don't even question me, I'm like, 
do they not get me? Or I always think the worst because I'm like, why are they not asking me what I've always been known, like what I'm always expecting, you know? And so you're so right. And this whole unworthiness thing, I need to really do some work on that because that's not a good, you can't like- My job is done. <laughs> Your work is done, Tabitha. <laughs> Right. So this is exactly. Thank you. I, I love when like real life examples come in because sometimes it sounds like these who are things from textbooks mm. or the you know mm. from. But there it is. So how our traumas manifest in tiny little decisions and learned mm. behaviors that mm. those behaviors themselves. You know, it's not traumatic that my mother is mad every time she washes dishes. We we can't go there. Yeah but it's a manifestation of something deeper in that we have been trained, conditioned through messaging that you have to earn your worthiness. And that, mm. especially Africans, uh, really a lot, of, a lot of people, especially women, um, that our enoughness belongs in how much productivity we have, whether or not we're married, whether or not, you, you know, like, oh, she's 20 now. She graduated Congress. When, when is the husband? The husband, mm -hmm. like, oh, where are the kids? One kid. Oh, where's the second one? <laughs> we'll never get there. And then you have those, you know, two and a yeah. half kids and a husband and you're all cute in your pictures, like Rose pictures that she posts and, you know, the dining table is nicely set. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, she's doing too much. Something's wrong there. Oh, no, she's not doing enough, right? So this orange is going to be something. <laughs> that is true. Unless you start from within and then start looking at why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. What's the function of mm. this? And what would that mean to just not do these dishes? Right? Am I, and just, just leave it at that. Don't judge it. Don't, you know, what would that mean for me if I would just not do the dishes because I'm tired? Mm. Ask somebody else to help yeah. me. And that will come up for you. You might get really uncomfortable the first time. Like, oh, wow, the husband is still here and the kids still hug me even when I'm, the, the house is not perfect. What? Look at that. This whole time, this is not what earns me the love I deserve. <laughs> and it's like, a, you know, the mo so it's daily unlearning. As much as we're learning, we have to do more work of unlearning because we have been conditioned for however old we are. If you've been conditioned for 30 years, this is not gonna go away after two sessions of therapy, right? You need at least another 30 yeah. years to undo what you did for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so that's the difference between you, Ro, and I'm gonna make assumptions about your mom, is that even when we catch ourselves making this, now you're aware that it's happening. And awareness is like- Yes. yes. So when I find myself telling the kids, like, why are you crying? Like, is that a reason to cry? <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, why am I saying that? Then I can take it back. Okay, I'm sorry. What's wrong? Do you need a hug? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. yes, you, you're able to catch yourself, change the behavior, and question yourself more and more until you undo it. So having that grace to it for yourself. For, for the things we learned, yeah. I had somebody say something really cool that stuck with me and I'm not going to say it right, but your first reaction comes from what you learned. Your second reaction is mm -hmm. reward. So 
Usually, mm. we, we really judge ourselves based on the first reaction or, or thought, right? You see someone and maybe you get all judgmental. Somebody says something and whatever it is, but you've been conditioned to have these automatic thoughts. And so I see in our whatever Adventist world where we grew up, <laughs> this is the stupidest thing that just came back to my mind. Um, back home, any woman with red nail polish was a yeah. prostitute. I'm like, how the heck were we coming up with these things? Right? So <laughs> yep. <laughs> so if I see someone with red nail polish and that's the first thought, it's because it was I was brainwashed long enough to think that. Mm-hmm. But that's, then the next thought would be like, well, that's ridiculous. Pretty nails. That's who I really am. So yeah. if the second thought yeah. is still that, then we got to work through that. Yeah. But if you're yeah. still able to catch that back up and that's, that's who you are, at least who you're becoming, and that's what matters. Mm-hmm. That's very powerful. I like what you've said. And there's one thing that you said when we, you know, when we were prepping for this call, you talked about, we were talking about generational trauma when it's, you know, the painful stuff, like this stuff that we've talked about is really, it's, it's, it's stuff that we experience in our everyday lives. But then there's the, you know, the painful trauma, you've been abused, maybe, or you've, you've just undergone some sort of very painful, traumatic experience. And um, there's something that you said, with regard to breaking the cycle, that when you get to that point where keeping it in hurts more than what people will think of you, then that's when you find the courage to break the cycle. Do you remember saying that? I thought, I mean, like for me, that was like a big aha moment. Like when you get to the point where keeping it in hurts you more than what people will think of you, that's when you find the courage. And that's the point where you start doing the work mm-hmm. to, to break that cycle, so. Yes, and that, that was definitely true for me. And I mm-hmm. think for a lot of people, when they start <clears throat> speaking up about anything, whatever their experience is, you start finding healing in the sharing, in not mm. the feedback, not the response. The response no longer matters because it's no longer about anyone else but you and about especially if it's a childhood trauma mm-hmm. that part of you that is stuck at that time where you are hurt that child in you that young lady in you what whatever it is when you got hurt is always screaming out for help and when mm-hmm. that voice is louder than the voices of your neighbors of your in-laws of whoever else you're trying to impress no longer matters because at the end of the day, you have to take you with you. No matter how far you run, no matter where you go, you take yourself with you. If you can't live with yourself, you can't live with anyone else. And when that happens, that moment, you have to do what you have to do to look yourself in the mirror, to be able to go to sleep without any medications or alcohol or anything mm-hmm. that you want to to numb that really that's all it is a lot of um addiction over 90 percent there's trauma underlying that everybody's mm-hmm. just trying to find a way to quiet the pain mm-hmm. and when that pain gets louder you either going to up the drugs or up something else the work because sometimes it's it's socially acceptable 
acceptable ways of drugging yourself. Mm -hmm. People work nonstop or travel nonstop, have sex nonstop, whatever it is that you're using to quiet your, your, your pain, eventually that pain catches up because your brain will not stop. Your body will, will show you physical symptoms. Your behaviors start catching up until you mm -hmm. listen. So it starts in little increments until you listen and when that hurts more than the numbing you're doing, Mm -hmm. Wow. So you just have to go find that child that was hurt and sit with them. <laughs> like you really yeah. like what you're saying is that you have to go back to that point where that traumatic experience happened or that period where it was happening. And just that who you were at that point, you need to sit with that person that you are and have that mental dialogue with them. I think, you know, sitting with that, for me, that's really powerful. Like, I, I never think about it like that because it seems like you're stuck in your mind. You're stuck in that place. And until you go back to that place. Yes, we're yes. trying to heal the heart. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to work because they speak two different languages. So it's like solving a puzzle um, with... What was I trying to say? Like trying to walk somebody through something using two different languages. They, mm. they give them directions, like they can't understand each other. So we all stay in the head about whatever that is. And um, I think the example I gave last time is if a child is hard, if you watch a child fall down, you don't right away jump into, oh, you know, the first aid skills that help that one, you know, you get cold water and add it to the child. No, you first pick them up. You hug them, wipe their tears, soothe them. Then you get to the Band-Aid. Then you get to cleaning the wound. But first and foremost is soothing. When was the last time you soothed yourself in a way that you needed? Mm. Whatever that is that you experienced. Just, just even saying that to yourself, like, girl, that was hard. Mm. You are really yeah. hard. Validating your own pain. Because it's real and it happened and you want to show everybody else that you got it, it doesn't go away. You know, this, those kind words you'll say to your girlfriend, you know, we're really good at showing up for others. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, superstars. We said the right things. I'll send you a box of chocolate and some roses and whatever you need. Um, we'll show up and make tea and stay up late in blankies. And, you know, especially women, we're such super girlfriends. Mm -hmm. When it comes to ourselves, we want to act like we didn't get affected the way we really did. And if you're to just one day look in the mirror um, or journal, how, whatever is authentic to you and validate your own pain, just giving it voice without thinking from the heart because you can't heal the heart with the head, with thoughts. And just mm -hmm. Whatever it is that it is that you went through that was traumatic, like you are so courageous that you're still here. I can't believe you went through that and you still can smile and show up for your family and your friends. Wow, I see your heart, I, I see you. Like you have to get outside mm -hmm. of you. The same way we have to get outside of us to, to deal with um, anxiety. I usually tell my clients when they have anxiety or they're dealing with a lot of negative self-talk um, to give it a name because it's always easier when it's outside of you. 
in most of them, unfortunately, a few clients, right? I was like, okay, let's find a name in the session so you don't not you don't put it off. And most of them would use like their mother-in-law's names. So I would I would say the same thing for soothing yourself. It might be easier to yeah. give the the young part of you that was stuck a name. Oh mm -hmm. whatever. Um if it, it doesn't even have to be the younger part. Maybe you were hurt yesterday. Maybe you went through a lot of loss. You lost a job and you're still surviving. Maybe lost parent and you never really grieved and you're still making it day and day difficult, but you're here and you did that. Just validating yeah. our pain and our courage and our resilience for ourselves. Because whatever you can find within yourself, you, nobody else will know how to give it to you if you haven't given it to yourself. And the more you depend on others, not mm -hmm. only inside joy, you're also giving them the power to take it away. True. So we have to be our own. So your um, leaders first and foremost, self-love first and foremost. We're all given this message that somebody's gonna come and sweep us off our feet, but we don't even know what that looks like. What, what does that mean to be swept off yeah. your feet other than the movies? Mm. And then it doesn't, it never, it never uh, adds up to what we expected because yeah. we don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you expect somebody else to figure it out when you haven't figured it out. Like, what? That's not cool. Exactly. That's true. Exactly. Yeah, you got to do the work. Yes. You have to do the work. Start from within, uh, Start however from within. that is. Therapy, mm -hmm. if you have access. Um, journaling, I journal every day. And practicing um, with my kids, I call them, killing the ants in your in your brain the automatic negative thoughts anytime i catch my child talking to them you know that thing oh i suck at this no change that you know like catch that um not even allowing space for that mm -hmm. i'm learning i'm new at this um, it, your language creates and manifests your reality in our thoughts our self-talk mm -hmm. is the worst how we tell what you're leading everybody else on, but yeah, when it comes to ourselves, we we stop that. And anyway, so here we go again. Yeah, that's <laughs> very true. Like being, yeah, being um, everyone's cheerleader, and then you don't even give yourself that same um, love, that same thing for yeah for yourself. Mm. It's almost yeah. like yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm guilty at this like I can sometimes like truly believe in someone like oh they can do this they are awesome and then you I mean you egg them on and you're so happy for them and then sometimes you're just like oh I can't do it or this and I'm like why are you doing that like come on you know so I think it's uh you're right but I I want to touch on something that you mentioned that I'm very very passionate about it's therapy um mm -hmm. I know that like being like what we said, being Africans, that's like one thing that is not, it's almost like a taboo. It's like, no, something, I think, I don't know whether people think, I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not really sure where that comes from, where I think people think of therapy as something is wrong in your head, or like you're mentally ill, or even someone just saying, uh, a mental issue or like I'm having a mental health day and they'll be like what are you 
what's wrong with you? Like, it's like you're thinking like you've gone crazy or something. So like, I just want you to touch on that. Like, how, how do we normalize therapy in our communities and telling people, no, it's okay for you to talk to someone and it's actually healthy. It's a form of self-love and self-respect. It's a good thing for you, you know? Like, how do we normalize that? Yeah, so that's one of the things, those messages that I've carried on and on that um, to unlearn might take just as long. And I'm seeing more younger people embracing this and I kind of don't have hope for the older ones. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the thing is to make it better for the next generation. I think that's where our hope is. Um, but I think a lot of it is stigma and there are a lot of myths that are passed around in our communities. Um, there's so many layers though. So even what we're talking about self-love and kind of doing that inner work, some of these words, we're just throwing them around as if it's normal daily language, but to some people it's the first mm -hmm. time they're hearing it. And they think we're just listening to too much Oprah or Brene Brown and we're sucked up into the Western world. So we've made it a Western thing as if wellness only belongs to the white. Um, Cause they do, most people say, oh, that's for white people. I'm like, we don't do that. Yeah. It's white people stuff. Yes. <laughs> right. Even that is like, I've been colonized that we yes. don't deserve wellness. That's only wow. a privilege for the lighter skinned. Um, that's one uh, fault that happens with the meat. And so when, when we were talking about not taking care of ourselves first, doing that self-love practice and starting from within. That's based in science, right? Um, mm -hmm. This Harvard professor did a study. Well, you know, we all have the mirroring images. I mean, neurons that if right now you and I were to look at each other in the eyes and you start smiling for no reason, in the end, I'll start smiling. Whether or not mm -hmm. I'm happy, it doesn't matter. It's our neurons mirror each other. So when you think you're supporting everyone else around you, but you're not well, your energy, your neurons are mirroring your children, you're mirroring your spouse and back and forth. So even, you know, that whole, fine, I'll do it so I'm a good mother, but I'm not happy about it. It is still yeah. sending that same energy and um, emotions to those around you. So when it comes to therapy, the same way we go and get our physical checks, your brain is what literally makes the rest of your body work. So if it's not well, how is your body gonna be well? How is your spiritual life gonna be well? How is everything yeah. relies on your mental health? And it's really sad that we see it as an um, option when it should be the primary. Because when somebody's yeah. depressed, it shows up in physical illness. A lot of people go to the hospital and they can't find what's wrong. In our communities, people have blood pressure and heart problems. And some of them eat healthy and they can't find a physical reason, but it's your mind. And so mm -hmm. I wish people would know the power of your mind, that when it's well, the rest of your life, the rest of spiritual, financial, physical, everything depends on how well your mind is. Yes, it's yes. Yeah, and therapy is not about, most people think you just go lay on the couch like how we've seen in the movies and tell me about your life and let's blame your mother for everything that's gone wrong. Um, 
in your life. Not at all. <laughs> they give you skills on how to cope. They give you an objective space to process the things like some of those finding that why you do what you do when you do it. They give you, it's a whole mm -hmm. array of um, a way to cope with life and live a more fulfilling whole life. It, it's not about telling me your, your business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I think um, it's the same thing. You know, I always, um, <laughs> um, I remember when my dad passed away, I was like, you know what? I need to have therapy. But I think in our culture, even when it comes to, like I said, already as it is with death, uh, or like just already thinking that therapy is taboo. I yes. think then when it comes to like death, it's like, what? So many people have died and they've lost their parents before you. Why are you going for therapy? Like it's a normal, and I'm like, what? Like, I think, so yeah, I, I, I remember I went into a whole conversation with my mom and just be like, cause I wanted her to go, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, it's a traumatic thing. It's not like, especially when someone is not, death is traumatic as it is. But if someone is not sick, today they are okay and the next day they are not there, whether it's an accident, whether it's just not waking up from your sleep, you need some sort of just to really try to feel, you might not have the answer, I get that, but you need to process your thought and like to just speak to someone, you know? And so I, I just wish, I love therapy, I do. I think it's a very healthy thing. And um, a lot of people need it, like what you said, Tabitha, then they, whether they want to admit or whether they, I don't know, maybe they don't know or they need to learn more. And I hope that they can, um, they can, you know, do the work because you know how you said, you could be so healthy and everything and your mind, if your mind is not okay, those negative thoughts all the time, it doesn't even have to be so big, but little negative thoughts just blow some and it's a huge deal, you know? So yeah, I really like that. I that agree. was awesome. And it's that coloring, how you see the world, uh, whatever those things you're not taking care of and they build up. And as we yeah. know, if it, was a, if it was your heart, the more build up you have, the less it has to work harder to yes. get blood and then eventually clots and eventually, yep. fortunately getting mm -hmm. darker. Yep. So same with your mind, the more you let it um, build up all those negative things that have happened. And and I'm here preaching this, like I went to school with before this, I've been a therapist for the last whatever, 13, some so many years. And I didn't go to therapy till 2015. And even then I was nervous as heck. I was like, I mean, what are they going to do that I don't know? I mean, I could really do this on my own, but I knew I was just, <laughs> I was just trying to back out of it without, admitting for myself that i've also been brain yeah. you know, i'll preach you know the right thing yeah. but i've also been conditioned that we don't do that you don't go to therapy you just work mm -hmm. it out but you yeah. pray to jesus that's what you do oh dear god if god would only ugly <laughs> that he would say leave me out of this yes pray yeah. to me on your way to see a therapist because you need it <laughs> exactly exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. I know. That's, I think you called it a spiritual bypass, you mm -hmm. know, when you think that all you have to do is pray and 
God is going to take care of it. And I, you know, I think that God is looking down at you and saying, I'm hearing your prayer, but I need you to go to therapy, you know? Like, There's a therapist <laughs> down the street. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, if it's, it's, we are so, I think we're so caught up, like Rose said, in our way of thinking about what therapy means based on our culture and the way we were brought up. And it's such a scary thing. It's a big step. And I hope that this conversation, um, will you know to the listeners who are listening to this if you're out there and you're really struggling with that idea if it just seems to be too much whatever it is that you're going through whether it's trauma whether it's stress whether it's just depression whatever it is that you really don't need to carry that alone you really don't and therapy it is time that we normalize therapy it's a way for us to be accountable to ourselves you know it's the way we get to stay healthy in our minds because how can we be healthy how can we show up whole for people who we love if we are not taking care of ourselves right so i think that uh sorry go ahead go ahead yeah, I add one more thing. as you're yes. saying that because of um most people hear therapy and it's a western idea yeah they don't want to embrace it for that reason and i get that the thing is that we don't realize is that we live in a different world Mm -hmm. We didn't need therapy before for different reasons. This is why it's so important to continually ask why. Our grandmothers or mothers, depending on what time they grew up, or older people, they had their therapy in different ways. These are women who would gather in groups to go fetch water and talk about their stuff. Right. right? They would get in little groups and knit or whatever activities they had. They, they lived with their elders who would give them that wisdom and share stories and pass on things from the past we don't have that anymore no so you can't yeah. say you need it before so i don't need it now you are in a whole different world you work from no. monday to monday you live in a house full of kids and partner if you have one and boss and everybody wants something from you all the time you don't get time to be calm to process to just when you hang with girlfriends y'all have agendas y'all have <laughs> On that happy note, everyone, go get therapy. If you need therapy, don't yeah. wait. <laughs> don't wait any longer. Just do something, do some research, get some referrals, just get a good therapist and work through all this stuff. Then you'll really show up a better person for everybody. So on that happy note, we are going to end this podcast. Thank you so much, Tavitha, for joining us. It was such a joy to speak to you. We hope to have you back. Um, yes. in future episodes, right, Ro? We, I think we should. Yes. Yeah, we are going back. to have you back. <laughs> and for uh, anyone who's listening, please make some time to go over to YouTube and look up Tabitha's TED Talk, which is called Trauma Transformed is Not Trauma Transferred. I, is, is 
trauma not trans you know what i'm gonna actually <laughs> i'll scream trauma not transformed is trauma transferred it's a great it's a very captivating um nine more a little bit more than 10 minutes talk and there's so much to learn from so wish you all the best Tabitha, and we look forward to having you again all right take care now bye